I'm Joyce Hornady. You might say accuracy is my business. I make bullets. You are listening to the Hornady Podcast. Thanks for joining us and enjoy the show. Hello, everybody. Thanks for tuning in to the Hornady Podcast. I'm your host, Seth Swerzik. Today, we've got a pretty good episode, and it kind of goes back to a question that we've been getting for about the last almost 20 years now. And uh, joined today, Judd Jerzinka from the marketing team. And this podcast was actually Judd's idea. We were kind of spitballing some ideas. And Judd, you've been with the company almost a decade now, and it seems like you've been asked this question a few times. Well, yeah. Uh, Just doing on the video side of things, posting videos to YouTube and on the social media stuff, you know, sometimes there's some confusion between critical defense, critical duty. And, uh, you know, I just think we, uh, we can't hit it enough. You know, there's, there's specific purposes for each and each of them. And, you know, one excels at one thing where another is kind of catered angled a, a different direction. So, you know, I think it's just something that, uh, we can keep uh, hitting on and yeah, shed and some light on. Well, and you know, it's it's easy when you're in an echo chamber at Hornady to we understand the difference and when you would choose one over the other. Um, but not everybody knows our product line like we do. So to talk through a lot of this and to to get some some peek behind the curtain, if you will, between critical defense and critical duty, special guest, new face, new voice to the podcast. Judd, join me in welcoming John. John Hasselman, thanks for coming on the podcast. Big fan. Thanks for having me. (laughs) (laughs) Big fan. Right. Well, before we dive into critical defense, critical duty, let's hear a little bit about John. Uh, You know, obviously, we want to know what you're doing right now and your level of expertise with critical defense, critical duty. um, But what got you into Hornady and where did you progress through the company to get where you're at today? Yeah. So, uh, six going on seven years ago, applied to the company. Uh, I heard it was the best job in town. So put in my app, got hired, started making these projectiles right here. Duty really? and defense bolts. Yes, sir. Um, worked my way up right now. I'm doing law enforcement, military contracts. So dealing with this stuff every day, every single day. So that's pretty cool that your first, Hey, you're working in Hornady. This is how you make a bullet. Not only is it just a bullet, it happens to be a pretty darn important yeah, couple yeah. bullets. It's a big deal. That, that is a unique perspective to see that. And then you glossed over several years in the middle there when you worked as a technical representative. Yep, I did do that for quite a while. Yeah. So there's probably a few people listening to this podcast right now mm-hmm. that, hey, I know that voice. Yep, I'm, I'm sure. Yeah, that was John Hasselman up there. Uh, so in that, I bring that up because as a technical representative, you answer this question, I would almost daily, certainly weekly. Yeah, yeah. A few times a week for the last several years. And again, being in that echo chamber we're in, it's easy to just blindly regurgitate it because we know about it. But I think, like Judd mentioned, when we were discussing podcast topics, every trade show we go to, every time someone you know sees us, and not every time, but a bunch of times, you know, someone recognizes you from something. You'll get that. What are you going to carry? You get it in the podcast comments, emails, YouTube comments. Um, so let's attack this. Now, also, before we get there, I just mentioned podcast comments and emails and stuff. Keep the interaction coming uh, out there. If you've got questions, comments, concerns, we do want to hear about them. And who knows? They might end up as a whole podcast episode in and of themselves. So 
Keep the emails coming, podcast at hornady.com. Drop comments right here on the YouTubes, and we'll get back to you as best we can. Um, so where should we start? Should we start critical defense or critical duty? Ooh, I don't know. In my opinion, I think defense would uh, cover a, a broad spectrum yeah, of consumers out there. I think so, and, and it's kind of right in the name there. Mm-hmm. Let's talk through what makes critical defense critical defense, and what are some of the specific use cases where critical defense would be your best ammunition choice? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, so for the defense box, I would go with, uh, you know, if, if you're carrying a backup, if you're a law enforcement officer, okay, um, off-duty, uh, or the civilian in a defensive aspect, um, smaller frame pistols, mm. that's going to be a big deal. Um, well, hit, hit on like, uh, yeah. you talked about barrier blind where critical defense isn't really designed for mm. that purpose, but it's designed for that purpose for a purpose. Right. You know, mm-hmm. Hit on that where you were talking about, you know, the risk of over penetration or, or whatnot. Mm-hmm. So, you know, just like Seth said in the name, it's, it's defensive ammunition. Right. So if your threat is behind a windshield or a wall, if, if that's the case, you probably got some time to get out of there. Yeah. Which is the preferred option. Yeah. Yeah. Because th- this is absolute last case scenario right here. Mm-hmm. Hopefully well, you don't ever have to use it, but. And I can't remember if when we had Scott Javens on the last podcast or a couple podcasts yep. ago now, uh, did he hit on, I know I've heard him say around the office and, and in his class that I've done, you know, most of those engagements are, you know, this close. Right. So, you know. Three to seven yards. Three to seven yeah. yards. Yep. So that's, yeah, if any, any further away than that, it's might be a hard time claiming defense and, yep. you know, in, in defense of your life, you know, you're probably not going to have to shoot through a wall or a car door. And we mentioned those barriers specifically, and we'll talk about them more in regard to critical duty because the FBI has a specific protocol laid out on how they gauge bullet performance for what they need, the FBI protocol for penetration. And you have to shoot through plywood, wallboard, sheet metal, a car window, heavy clothing. I mean, there's just uh, a lot of barriers you have to defeat, and then you have to penetrate. What they want is 12 to 18. We really shoot for 14 to 16 inches mm-hmm. of penetration after going into that barrier. So with a defense round, we don't want to shoot through the barrier. We want to go through maybe heavy clothing, which is what this was designed for with that polymer tip that we use, and land somewhere between 8 and maybe 12 inches of penetration. And that that what some people would consider reduced penetration is actually a selling feature with this bullet. Absolutely. That made me think of one thing as you were talking here that we kind of glanced over as well. Seth, to give even more credibility, when you were working as a ballistician before you moved to the marketing Mm -hmm. team, how many rounds of critical duty, critical defense did you test into ballistic? Countless. Yeah. And John's done a bunch as well. But yeah, when, when I started as a ballistician, we had just won our first FBI contract for critical duty ammunition in nine millimeter. And we test those bullets like you wouldn't believe through the production life of the bullet. And then we load it into ammo and we also do lock testing and acceptance on the ammo. So critical duty gets shot a lot yep. uh, for, for penetration and performance. And then within that, we always shoot critical defenses. Well, um, at new bullet design, we shoot a bunch of those. So we, yeah, between the two of us, we've shot thousands of bullets into ballistic gelatin and, and seen the results. And I can speak to critical defense um, when we would test these bullets. You put up the heavy clothing barrier 
attached to the jail block, which is like a cotton t-shirt material, like a nylon dress shirt material, Polar Tech 200 fleece, and then a layer of denim. Mm-hmm. So there's four layers there. And that goes in front of the... It goes right against the jail. And where a traditional hollow point, you know, like a RXTP, for example, but other traditional shaped hollow points on the market in defensive ammo, as it tries to penetrate through that clothing barrier, the clothing will clog that, that hollow cavity and that bullet will fail to expand. And you end up with a non-expanding bullet that is going to penetrate very deep because mm-hmm. it's not transferring energy. Yep. Usually it comes right out the back of the block. Uh, the way the critical defense works is it's got an elastomer tip uh, in that cavity and it is, so it's already full. And for lack of a better term, it's really squishy. Mm-hmm. How does that work out? Uh, yeah, it works out great. So basically that tip is going to get, uh, would you call it a, a hydraulic, um, drawn a blank here. Yeah. Well, it's compressed yeah. and then you get that hydraulic yep. effect. And it just pedals that jacket back and it, it's just beautiful. Every expansion. single time. Yep. It's beautiful. That's great. Cause those hollow points, I've shot a bunch of those. I know you have too, because we shoot competitor products and when you shoot hollow points into gel through the barrier, sometimes, man, they look pretty good. Yeah. And sometimes they look downright awful. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, the critical defense bullet with that polymer tip, it upsets the same every single time. Consistency. It. Yep. It's beautiful. And that, that penetration depth is, you know, not an accident. A lot of times, um, you know, we want that depth penetration. So we'll adjust muzzle velocity and bullet weight so that we end up with that level of penetration through the heavy clothing barrier. Yep. Yep. So that's, none of that's an accident. And there's more to it though. We'll talk a little bit about bullet construction once we talk about critical duty, but there's more to critical defense than just the bullet. So the other thing we do is propellant. Mm-hmm. Tell us about the propellant that we use. So we, we have a propellant in there that reduces muzzle flash. So low light conditions, that's going to be in, in your favor. Mm-hmm. Uh, you won't be blinded after the first shot, so you can uh, stay tracking on the target. Yep. Um, reduced recoil, reduced felt recoil, rather. Um, what else do we have here? Yeah, that low, low flash is huge. You know, yeah. For those of you who are listening and haven't fired a pistol outside in the dark, it, it'll, it, it lights stuff up. Yeah. You know, it's, it's uh, shocking how some rounds can be, uh, produce so much muzzle flash yeah. and uh, not desirable. And then you get the muzzle flip. You've got all that ejecta coming out. And uh, like John mentioned, we, we pick a propellant that is fast burning for caliber. So we use less propellant. So we have less chance of muzzle flash plus the flash deterrents that are in there. Um, that all makes it perfect for low flash conditions, low recoil, but it also makes it perfect for, like you mentioned at the beginning, smaller framed handguns because mm-hmm. you're using less propellant, less felt recoil, those small guns that or your, maybe your pinky's not even holding on the magazine. Um, you're not going to beat the guns up. You're not going to beat your hand up and you can get subsequent shots on target quickly. Yep. Yep, absolutely. Is that what we do our gelatin testing with for critical defense? For critical defense, I typically use a 9mm, for example, uh, something shorter than a 4-inch barrel, So depending on the gun. 43X. Yeah, Glock 43X would be a big one, Glock 43. Um, I have tested it through Glock 19. I've shot it from a Glock 17. Um, And when you increase the barrel length, what you actually do is decrease your penetration in the gelatin. That's a good point, Judd. Thanks for bringing that up. But 
Um, that seems counterintuitive that you would give it more nasty speed and it actually limits the penetration. Mm-hmm. But because of that polymer tip, that bullet just mushrooms out, transfers more energy. Velocity makes bullets work. They do. So. It, it's just how it is. Yep. So huh. uh, we made it to really be optimum in those shorter barrel lengths. You can run it through a full-size gun. They will perfectly cycle your Glock 17, for example. Um, but, you know, Springfield Hellcat, Glock 43, you're still going to get that desirable level of penetration where it's more than adequate in a defense scenario. So we talked about, you know, the engagement distance, the average. So when you're testing these, you know, what distance are you doing these gelatin shots at? A lot of those are seven yards. Seven yards? Yeah. So critical defense, awesome option for, I would say, 90 plus percent of the use case. Uh, You know, where your concealed carry is a big one. Home defense is great. Um, You know, like you mentioned, where you've got the barriers with critical duty, with critical defense. You're in a home with your wife and your children. Mm-hmm. I don't want to go through any barriers. Right. Yeah. Um, or should you be in a public setting, yeah. grocery store, movie theater, whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Very important aspects to consider. And uh, that critical defense bullet, um, we'll talk more about bullet construction here in a bit, but um, I'll say this now just to get the terms out there. The critical defense bullet, no interlock ring, and it has a cantilever groove on the outside. And that cantilever groove is, helps us crimp the bullet in place, but it also helps hold that bullet together a little bit. But there's no other mechanical means or uh, bonding methods to hold the bullet together. So it does expand quickly, uniformly, uh, just the way we want it. Mm-hmm. Which is the FTX bullet. Yep. yep. Yeah, the critical defense. Yeah, the FTX bullet, which we have talked about this now for the last 10 minutes and haven't even mentioned Dave Emery. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> you know, Dave Emery, senior ballistic scientist at, at Hornady, started here in 1994 and then just absolutely crushed it. Uh, I mean, he was the Barry Bonds of of the ballistics. He just hit homer after homer after homer. Yep. It was crazy. Uh, and critical defense and critical duty were two of his, you know, hallmarks, I guess you'd call it. I mean, the Creedmoor, 6.5 Creedmoor is probably number one, but Regarding pistol ammunition, these were so influential in the industry um, that, yeah, we owe him a, a debt of gratitude for, for coming up with this and doing all the R&D and making it work and the hundreds of tons of ballistic gelatin. Yeah. That, that, yeah. Uh, <laughs> well, how did that start? Didn't he, the story I've always heard is he was, just would go to the hardware store and get yeah. started with silicone or something and was... Yeah, it was basically to just... uh Proof of concept. Oh. Is this going to work? And then he got into more of the chemistry. But the proof of concept was, well, let's get some RTV sealant and some silicone and just find different uh, materials to try to plug that up to see if we could get something consistent. Hmm. And once he found some consistency and then obviously worked with some chemistry guys and, and got a proprietary material that works really, really well. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, the proof of concept, hey, that's just ingenuity right there. Yeah. Getting it done. So let's change gears a little bit. We'll talk about the critical duty specifically, and then maybe we'll circle back around and talk about all, you know, how they interact with each other and and whatever. So starting now with critical duty, which has been, man, when we won that first FBI contract, I don't think there was a ammunition that had been tested by the FBI that scored higher than critical duty. It is simply amazing. So we'll probably talk about nine millimeter quite a bit, but We'll talk about all of the caliber options we have for each, but that critical duty, John, walk us through what makes critical duty 
critical duty. So basically, uh, there's a few fundamentals here. Uh, we do have a mechanical interlock in this projectile. Um, we use a lead alloy. Okay. Uh, I don't want to get into too many details. Yes. Yeah. Um, and then we also have some shear points um, added into this projectile for barrier purposes. So we still get that penetration beyond barrier. Right. Which is huge. Absolutely. So yeah, we got the flex lock bullet that has the mechanical means of, of holding itself together. And that's how we get that added penetration. Mm -hmm. Which are heavier bullet weights, correct? Typically, per, yeah. Per caliber? Yeah. Which, what, does that help promote, you know, the, the penetration? Anymore with this design, um, caliber selection is irrelevant. Yeah. I mean, for the most part, uh, 357 SIG, 45 Auto, 40 Smith & Wesson, 9mm, if you shoot all of those in gel, they're all going to live at 14, 15 inches. In Through gel. all the barriers. Yeah. Really? So, yeah, they're that consistent. It all is because of that bullet. And yep. generally, they are heavier for caliber. Mm -hmm. so you get a little more mass. And that allows us to really control some of the barrier performance through jacket thickness and construction. Um, you know, you can manipulate things and hold things together here and make them come apart up here um, so that it penetrates straight and consistently. Um, so they generally are heavier for caliber. Mm -hmm. Now, the FBI still has critical duty on contract. Talk about that ammo specifically. Grain weight, is it is it? The plus P, what yeah. are we looking at? Yeah, so right now on contract is 135 plus P, 9 millimeter, of course. Mm -hmm. um, they were at 40 Smith & Wesson, and then after all this stuff coming out, they don't see a need to go larger caliber. They just don't have to. And 9 millimeter is so stinking common. Mm -hmm. Why look at anything else? Yeah, you pick up a few extra rounds in the magazine over 40 Smith & Wesson. Absolutely, yep. And you got a bullet that is just flat out design to perform. So we, we talked about a lot of those barriers already, and I mentioned most of them, but the, and this is public information. You can Google FBI protocol for penetration. And I know we've got some, there's videos out there, people shooting this, but um, it's not easy to have a bullet shot into bare ballistics gelatin that goes 14 to 15, maybe 16 inches. That's where we design our bullets to live. The FBI will accept 12 to 18, although it's scored differently. Mm -hmm. So uh, but bare gelatin, and then you shoot through heavy clothing, then you shoot through wallboard, then you shoot through plywood, then you shoot through sheet metal, and then you shoot through a car window that is a compound angle of 45 and 15 degrees. And every single time you shoot it, they land 14 to 15 inches, maybe 16 inches of penetration through all of those barriers. Yep. No one, I don't think people quite understand the dynamics at play between bare gelatin and two sheets of sheet metal to simulate a car door. Mm -hmm. um, to get that bullet to do the same thing every time is quite literally a f marvel. I mean, it is a feat of engineering. Yeah. The thing that always kind of gets me is is the glass. From Again, being on the video side and photo side, we've done high speed and taking photos of ballistics gel. The auto glass is the one that seems to be super tough on, on bullets. It is. Well, and you shot a bunch of competitor bullets and some traditional hollow points. What do you typically see through glass? Mm, results may vary. Your <laughs> yeah, may vary. Yeah. 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 Depending on the construction, um, you know, you, you could see jacket core separation. Yeah. Um, the, the tip's going to collapse. So it's just going to pencil on through that block of gel. Um, 
right now, from what I've seen, nobody comes close to what we offer today. Yeah, you heard it here. And obviously, we're proprietors of our product, and we think Mm -hmm. they're all awesome. But the reality is, having shot every law enforcement type of bullet on the market, nobody can hang with our Mm -hmm. stuff. Mm -hmm. It's that bullet technology. Again, shout out to Dave Emery is is simply phenomenal. And a lot of the same design methodology from the critical defense is in the critical duty with that red elastomer tip. Mm -hmm. Uh, One important note, when you look at critical duty, if you look at at the red tip, critical duty bullets will have an H stamped into the polymer tip. A critical defense bullet does not have an H stamped into that tip. So if you have some ammo mixed up and you made a whoopsie, you can tell it apart that way. Again, the critical duty, we seal that ammunition as well. Mm-hmm. So you're going to get some uh, moisture protrusion yep. protection. Case mouth and primer. Case mouth and primer. Uh, do the same thing on our end as far as the testing goes. As we talked about testing and shooting gel here through this whole podcast, my mind just keeps going to the bucket of expanded bullets. And I don't know, in my 10 years that I've been here, I don't know how many buckets of expanded bullets. five gallon bucket yeah how, how many bullets. have we gone and it's it's so cool looking in that bucket and it's, it's expanded bullets you know variety of different calibers but they all look identical yep, yep so how often like on critical duty specifically you know how often is that tested you know it seems pretty often because uh well it is yeah at a minimum it would be twice every hundred thousand twice but it almost never happens that way normally you end up shooting it Anywhere from three to six times per 100,000, simply because we keep such a close eye on this. Mm-hmm. If uh, if they have to make a tooling adjustment, we're going back yep. and shooting it. Yep. And if, if, you know, if, if the core seat, you know, they have to move that around, okay, we're going to shoot it again. If they have to get a new punch or die, we're shooting the whole protocol again. Um, so we really keep a close eye on this. And You have to. You have to. You owe it to the people who depend on it. Yep. And I'll say this, John, I know you've gotten to do this as well. When you speak to people in regard to critical duty, I've I've spoken with several, I know you have too, of uniformed guys that went home at night because they carry critical duty. It, it, it's almost chilling, gives you goosebumps almost, uh, that, that, Something so serious, mm-hmm. it, you know, it's something that we make and that they carry and that they depend on and they had to depend on. Oh, yeah. yeah. When, when you talk to those guys and they tell you about the performance aspects, it makes it real. It is. Absolutely. It, yeah. I get, just got goosebumps yeah. when you think about it because, yeah, we know some guys in some scenarios that critical duty was the difference between going home and not. And yep. that's cool. And that goes from you as the contract guy and and Scott, who's our product manager, and anybody who's ever worked on it, all the way back to the guys in the in the factory right now that are making the lead alloy, to the guys out there making the bullet, loading the ammo. Like, we all take it serious. Yep. It's very yep. rewarding, to say the least. Concealed carry, personal protection, or home defense. Only the best will do. Critical Defense Ammunition, developed to provide the best performance for personal protection, no matter what platform you choose. Delivering consistent, reliable performance every single time. When lives are on the line, only the best will do. Hornady Critical Defense Ammunition. So talking about all this testing, you know, we've we've talked about it here the, the whole time. 
the testing that is used, you know, it's not our testing per se. This is FBI protocol testing. Mm -hmm. We get their protocol and then test to their specs. So the same can be said for the gelatin. I think we should talk about, you know, on the video side, YouTube and wherever, there's all kinds of different gelatin tests out there and, and clear gelatin and whatnot. And and truth may be that it, it's just not the same. There's there's specifics to this gelatin. Yeah, nobody knows more about the specifics than John. Uh, but there is a difference between actual ordinance gelatin and synthetic gel. Um, and that's a good point to bring up, Judd. Yeah. yeah. John, what, what kind of what do you see there and why is it so important to use actual ordinance gelatin that's been calibrated? So I, I believe how does the story go? The the FBI did a large study, right? Mm-hmm. So they wanted something that matches tissue as close as possible. Um, synthetic was not it at all. Inconsistent. Um, doesn't calibrate. Um, it doesn't show the proper penetration expanding capabilities that, that it is, is really available with the ammunition. So what they came up with was 10% ordinance gel. And that's what we use. And we mix up a lot of it mm-hmm. every day. And we go through gel like crazy. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's what we use. We, we do what the FBI does. Yeah. Period. Yep. And that's what they've deemed to be the most close replication you can get to actual live tissue. Yep. Um, I've seen some of the synthetic stuff works really well for kind of like a general, okay, you can hit it with the bullet, the bullet expands and you can capture it. And then it, one of the benefits of synthetic is it doesn't deteriorate. Mm-hmm. Um, however, it does not properly represent what a bullet's going to do one every time and two on the outer edges of its performance window which is a lot of times where we want to test you know if you're shooting a bullet right in the meat of its velocity window well yeah it's going to look pretty good Mm -hmm. but when you're testing it after a barrier or at really high velocity or really low velocity you're not going to get the same type of upset as you would with actual ordinance gelatin and what is the ordinance gelatin? I mean, it's not on my pretty. end, I've seen you guys make it, and there is an art form to mixing oh, yeah. up a gel block. Mm. But, I mean, it, it just looks like sugar and water. It just looks like a... doesn't a, smell like it. No, no, I know, no. but that's really what it what it looks like. But John, yeah, t- walk us through what is ballistics gelatin. So, it's uh, some water, and then this powder. And I, I've been the told sugar. it... Well, <laughs> it, it's not that sweet. From what I understand, this is what I was told. Everything that does not go into a hot dog goes <laughs> into this media. Yeah. And we mix Name, it yeah, up. Pig stuff. Yep. Dehydrated, mm-hmm. pulverized into powder. And then uh, I'm guessing filtered to have a certain uh, size and consistency. Mm-hmm. And then, like you said, you add the water. Yep. Yep. Throw reconstitute it. Yep. Yep. You got to hydrate. Yep. The tissue. Because yep. it, at one point, was tissue. Mm-hmm. And then, yeah. So you mix that up. Throw it in a cooler a day, couple days. Depends on the because block. there is a calibration standard yes, for sir. the block. Then right before you even test it, you have to calibrate. Yeah, yeah. Yep. And that's an important an important piece to it, right? So anybody could take you know this powder and some hot water and mix it up, whatever. And yeah, okay, you make a, a gel block, but if it's too soft or if it's too hard, it doesn't. Again, it doesn't replicate the tissue you're trying to replicate. Mm-hmm. So yeah, we painstakingly have to go through find the exact recipe that that gets that perfect calibration 
Yep. Yep. And then when you pull it out of the fridge, you have a small window to use that gel. It yeah. starts to break down yep. and get real slimy yep. and smelly. Yeah. Well, Abel, like you said, we go through a lot of it in a hurry. So yeah, most times that's probably not an issue. I don't think in the years that I played with gelatin, did I ever have some like, well, I got, darn it, didn't didn't shoot this gel. Like it was, <laughs> I was always like, man, I only made six block. I should have made eight. Can I get another <laughs> shot in there? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I know we talked about Dave Emery to you, and I got to tell this story because you guys will probably get a kick out of it too. And uh, I don't know if it's much of a story, but I always got a kick out of Dave just in his tendencies. And when we talked about making a block of gel is an art form, nobody took that more serious than Dave Emery. Watching him make gel, you know, he, he'd pour the water in, put the powder in, a little bit of this, a little tap here, a little whatever, and then he, he would spin it up to mix it and then pull the, the mixer out and the bubbles would have to, you know, go down just to a point and then he'd get back in and mix it again yeah. and then the, the speed of the drill he was using to mix had to be a certain speed. That guy oh, yeah. took it so serious. Well, if you if you don't, you end up with gel that is really lumpy, isn't the, the powder isn't distributed equally through the yeah. water, and then it gets really cloudy. You can't see through it. Yeah. Yep. yep. I just always got a kick out of seeing, you know, Dave's just Process. attention to detail. And, you know, and he kind of yeah. spread that out to everybody. You know, it, but it's true, though. It is wild what it takes to make a block of gelatin. There's you know, it a seems form, easy. Form, recipe, and do not deviate. Yeah. Period. Yep. Yep. That's uh yeah, good points to bring up. So we, we talked about critical defense, critical duty. Again, in summary, critical defense for defensive purposes will run your full size gun, but really ideal for those compact and subcompact pistols uh for carrying on your person in your vehicle at home. Ninety percent use case designed for those five to seven yard engagements. Critical duty perfectly at home in a full size gun, typically heavier for caliber bullets. Both of them, low flash, flash propellant, um, just a really good option from whatever side you're looking at. Um, what we didn't talk about, though, related to critical duty, in some areas, depending on the, the rules for handgun hunting, that critical duty ammo could be a force to be reckoned with uh, for, for hunting medium-sized game animals. You know, you look at 357 Magnum, for example. Mm -hmm. So if you're antelope, white-tailed deer, something like that, it's designed for that penetration that that we've come to expect from it and that does correlate to some hunting potential yep. so mm -hmm. you know when you look at uh 357 mag like i mentioned um 10 millimeter 175 grain bullet going to get great penetration I've, i yep. know several people will run that in the glock 20 in bear country um it's a it's a good bullet for that so mm -hmm. not to be overlooked i yep. think monty on the marketing team here didn't he take some critical duty. I can't remember the the caliber off the top of my head, but he was hunting hogs mm -hmm. with it, in Oklahoma or Texas, and, yeah. and loved it. Yeah, I know one of our bow assistants, Jacob, has taken a deer. Uh, again, I'm not sure what caliber, but I know it's I know it was critical duty. Um, yeah, good option for that kind of stuff. I don't know why it wouldn't work. Yeah, exactly. So going to critical uh, defense here, we have a box here on the table. Uh, critical defense light. Now. Uh, it's got all the features in critical defense and then some. And the and then some is light. Light for a reason, right? So you get into these subcompact pistols, they get pretty snappy. Mm -hmm. I don't care what you shoot. You they, take they, a, they can hurt a little bit. Yeah, you take a 380 with like a two-inch barrel, yep. it, it barks. So we have our critical defense light available 
in some of the most popular calibers out there where if you're a small hands kind of kind of person you know get hard to get good purchase on a gun lower the recoil helps it a little bit you've got those uber small firearms maybe you're recoil sensitive maybe it helps you get faster follow-up shots a female shooter is a great uh, another great reason to choose this stuff 389 millimeter 38 special you can just cut some of the recoil down and still get the exact same kind of penetration you're going to get from the original critical defense bullet weights a little lighter it's great for for female shooters especially in those smaller smaller firearms you know you get the two inch barrels or the super snub nose revolvers um cut some of that down just makes it a more enjoyable experience you can get out and practice with it and and uh, not be afraid of it the hornady security fireproof keypad safe with a heavy-duty 16-gauge steel body, extra-thick 8-gauge steel door, and four 1-inch diameter locking lugs, the Fireproof Safe achieves a fire rating of 30 minutes for up to 1,400 degrees Fahrenheit. Both the interior and adjustable shelf are covered in a protective carpet that offers flexible storage configurations while safeguarding valuables from damage. The Fireproof Keypad Safe from Hornady Security. Awesome, guys. Is there anything else in regard to critical defense or critical duty that you don't think we have touched on? Uh, we could maybe hit on the the cases, the nickel-plating cases. Yeah, why would we opt for a nickel-plated case? The reason we opt for nickel-plated cases is low-light visibility, corrosion resistance, um, easily distinguish it from any other ammunition out there mm -hmm. that, that you could have in, in your ammo box. Um, what else you got? They're, they're just plain slippery. Yeah. They, I mean, they chamber nice and smooth. Yep. It, it's, it's a very, uh, it almost feels luberous. Obviously it's not wet or anything, yep. but it's uh, a very slippery. So it should chamber help with feeding and extraction yep. more importantly. Feed and function. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, and you talk about, you know, it's kind of a visual aid in low light conditions. I mean, mm -hmm. that's just, just checking to make sure, okay, this mag's loaded or yep, yep I've got a round yeah. in. And yeah. I mean, but we talked about it with Scott in the other podcast about, you know, when, when stuff hits the fan, you know, things just move different. So, yeah. you know, having that little helpful indicator, okay, there's a shine. Yeah. You kind of lose yeah. some of those finer motor skills. And, and so having something that's like, if you have, let's say a weapons malfunction and you're slamming around magazines, you can clearly distinguish uh, that. And again, in low light, it's going to reflect a little more light. So it's a little easier to find. Um, yeah, and they're corrosion resistant as well. All right, guys, thanks for sitting down with me. John, appreciate your expertise on the subject. Judd, always happy to have you on the podcast. Appreciate it. Yeah, it was a good time. Everyone out there, hopefully you enjoyed this episode and found it educational. We've got some of the best ammunition on the market and the critical defense, awesome for that personal defense, home defense type scenario, your compact and subcompact firearms, and then that critical duty, the barrier blind performance that military and law enforcement people depend on pick which one's right for you as always like comment subscribe all that stuff and we'll catch you on the next one